And really, what the Lord's Supper is all about is to remind us of our great salvation. And and really, this ought to be a time of uh, encouragement and and joy. And really, this is a celebration. Um, I can only speak from my personal experience, but <clears throat> oftentimes when I was growing up, when it came to the Lord's Supper, when I walked in and saw the elements of the Lord's Supper, I'm just telling how carnal my heart, it was like, oh boy. I mean, to me it was longer time to be quiet and I never got, never, that this is a time of of great celebration. And and I'm not saying it was anything on the part of those that were doing it. It was on my part. But this is a time of remembering the greatest gift that has ever been given bar none. And and in realizing as we come tonight, and I, I pray that your heart as a believer will be stirred to say, Oh God, I'm overwhelmed with your love and mercy to me. And as as you hold the bread which is a symbol of his body tonight, I trust you will be filled with a heart of thanksgiving and personally go to God and say, God, how can I tell you I love you and thank you so much? And then as you hold the juice that is representative of his blood, that that you realize this is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else like it. Nothing else could have done what his blood did. And and that you you celebrate and rejoice in this. God, that of all the billions of people on the face of the earth tonight, that you have allowed me the privilege of knowing you and knowing the fruit of this. And so tonight we want to look at this this great salvation. You notice in verse 3, <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, <clears throat> to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, Reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise 
honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You notice there are there are numerous words here that that expand beyond what we can imagine. Abundant mercy and incorruptible and undefiled and joy unspeakable and full of glory and a lively hope. And it, it's all focused, Peter's reminding them of this great salvation and reminding us of the greatness of this salvation. And we want to just look at, at a few areas of this tonight to remind us as we come to partake of the Lord's Supper. This is a marvelous plan of God the Father. It is so great a plan. <clears throat> this was planned before the foundations of the earth. This was not plan B. Oh, Adam and Eve sinned, so let's put plan B in here. No, this is the centerpiece of all history. God planned to um, show His nature, His holiness, His love, his wisdom and all everything else about God, he planned to show it through the salvation of mankind. And this is a salvation that from before the foundations of the world, he planned it, but then he let mankind in on it right after the fall of man when he said that from the woman, the seed of the woman, will come the Redeemer in Genesis 3.15. <clears throat> and in understanding this, as, as you looked at already in your Bible study, this is something that the prophets prophesied about, although they weren't going to see it. They prophesied about, and the angels desired to look into it. In our Bible study Wednesday night, I said, sometimes um, my imagination maybe gets a little bit carried away, but it, it literally says the angels desire to look into it. And the angels, you remember, they sinned, and, and they were separated from God, the angels that sinned, and that was it for them. Now mankind comes along, and mankind sin, and the angels see that God the Father is sending His own Son, and the angels have to, what, what is there about these people that makes, and they look into it, and there's nothing about the people, it's about God's love. But they desired to look into it. It was such a great thing that, that heavens, the prophets, the heavens, um, the angels desired to look into it. And this was God's plan all the way from before creation. 
that he designed this. And it's the theme of the Bible. It's the the red thread that runs throughout the Bible is the blood of Jesus Christ. And sometimes, and, and I'm not minimizing, we need to deeply study the Word of God, but sometimes we need to be reminded that it, this is all about salvation. This is all about Jesus Christ. This is all about what He did to redeem man and bring him back. And it was all God's plan. It is so great a plan. But we can't understand the greatness of this salvation unless we understand how great our sin is. Mankind has always been prone to minimize sin. I mean, from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve on the Cain and all throughout, we minimize sin. And we fail to get the, the greatness of our sin. And by nature, we, we do it in our own. You know, I flew off the handle. No, you were sinfully angry. You know, we have all these terms that, that we use. We don't like to call sin, sin. But in understanding what God calls sin, I mean, we even prefer covetousness, but God calls it idolatry. We prefer, I may have let my heart wander, and God says, no, that is adultery. Friendship with the world is adultery. And and we, we don't like to take time to understand our arrogance. I mean... We sang the song, Lord, I Need You. Everything we are and have is directly because of God. And and we need Him, but we wouldn't exist without Him. And yet our arrogance props up and we think we're so smart and we think, look what I've done and this and that. And not only that, but our arrogance... And we think we can tell God what he needs to do. I mean, think of this. We, we don't have a clue how our body operates. We don't have a clue how many hairs are on our head. We don't have a clue about what's going to happen tomorrow. And yet, we often are demanding from God certain things. And our arrogance in... The greatest sin we have is our arrogance that we think we know better than God and we go our own way and our rebellion against God. You know, it it is one thing to have a child openly rebel against the parent. But our sin is a double-fisted rebellion against God. 
And we deserve to be smitten and separated from him forever. And unless we come back to realize the greatness of our sin and our arrogance and our rebellion and our idolatry, unless we come to realize that, we we won't really value as we ought to this great salvation. And that's why it's so important <clears throat> that we continually ask God to show us our heart. You know, our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And the greatness of this salvation, it is God's great, great plan. But then comes on the scene our great, great sin. And then, of course, we look at so great a sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect? So great salvation. I mean, you think of the sacrifice, number one, of just leaving heaven to come to this earth. There is no one in heaven, I don't, Well, I guess I do mean to burst your bubbles. If you think somebody, your loved one up there, would love to come back and be with you, you are greatly deceived. There is nothing that they would want to leave heaven to come back here for. Just that, that Jesus Christ left heaven and he laid aside the privilege of using his Godhead and took upon himself the form of a man. This is God taking upon the form of a man. I mean, you can't even illustrate it. We can't even comprehend it. But this is God taking on the form of a man. And then, I think this is why it's so important that you regularly read through the Bible because In reading through the Bible, you're reminded in each of the Gospels again and again, and you're reminded in Isaiah, but reading this last week about the crucifixion, the life of Christ, he was despised and rejected of men. This is God in the flesh, and they said, he's he's of the devil. I mean... It's one thing you've been spoken evil about and, and people have lied about you and you know what how that hurts. You are God and they call you the antithesis of God, the, the exact opposite of God. They call you the devil. I mean, this is the sacrifice. And, and <clears throat> when he was reviled, he reviled not again. The song says he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone. Think of that. He invested his life three and a half years 
in, in 12 men, poured his heart and soul into them. And then one of them betrays him for 30 pieces of silver. But then all the others forsook him. He was alone. This is, you know, if it had been you or I, do you not realize what I'm coming to do for you and you don't appreciate it? And, and this is what you're doing? Forget it. I'm done with it. You don't deserve this. And we don't. He was forsaken. And this last week in reading about the crucifixion, It's just so easy to read. And they took him, and it's just so easy to read. And and it's like the Spirit of God just said, stop. Think about this. I mean, there is nothing that compares to crucifixion. I mean, just the physical torments of it let alone the mocking that they did and slapping him. They're, they're about one of the worst things you can do to a man is spit in his face. And this is God. And the very beings he created are slapping him and spitting him in the, in the face and And mocking him, hey, king of the Jews, if you're God, save yourself. And on and on. And then when he breathed his last breath in the darkness and the earthquake, and those that truly had wisdom said, truly he is the son of God. This is the great sacrifice. Isaiah said, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. I don't know in our minds that wounded properly conveys it. but that he bore that with you in mind and me in mind and this great sacrifice. And, and that's why he said, as he, the last thing he did with his disciples was say to them, this is my body which is broken for you and, and this is representative of my blood without which there is no remission of sin. And he said, I want you to do this. I want you to remember this until I come again because it's so easy to forget. And it does us well to come back and think on this. The greatness of my sin, there was nothing I could do to pay the penalty for this sin. There was nothing I could do to even merit any forgiveness at all. Nothing at all. And yet he willingly, and and think of it, he knew what was involved. And before he went to the cross, he prayed and he said, sweat as it were great drops of blood. 
And they tell us that medically that is possible under extreme stress. And as he sweat, and he said, God, if there is any other way to provide for the forgiveness of man's sin, that's what I desire. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I mean, he knew what he was facing, and he knew the physical anguish, but perhaps the greatest torment is when he looked and saw that God the Father had turned his back. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer is because of your sin and my sin. He bore our sin. And the holiness of God could not look on that. The greatness of our sin, the greatness of the sacrifice. <clears throat> but I want to just quickly call our attention here in First Peter to the greatness of the result. He said that he has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance, and he uses these terms, <clears throat> incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Incorruptible, it's imperishable. It will never end. Everything good in this life eventually ends. This that he's giving to us, freely given to us, is imperishable. It will never end undefiled. It will never lose its value or its beauty. Never, ever lose the, the luster. Never, ever lose the value of it. It is beyond value. That my sins are forgiven? It is unfading. I like how one defined it. We will, we will never tire of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. No, when, and especially throughout eternity, people think, man, what are we going to do in heaven? You cannot even imagine. We're going to start seeing the fullness of God's glory and the greatness of our salvation and we can't imagine the joyous celebration that that is going to be of praise to God. And <clears throat> we'll never tire of it. And it, it is a divine guarantee reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. With with the name like St. Lawrence, we end up, you go, yeah, we have a reservation here. What's your name? Dennis St. Lawrence. Ah, they look on their, ah, we don't, we don't find it. So then we start through. Okay, um, what are you looking under? Well, we're looking under Lawrence. Well, the name is St. Lawrence. Okay. Oh, okay. So, and now we don't have it. What are you looking under? We're looking under S-T. Well, try S-A. 
Sometimes they file it under that. Uh, try SL. So invariably, I, I just I just know that it, it that if they get it right, I I almost shocked if when I go in the first, oh yeah we have a reservation for you here. I know when we come to heaven. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, what was that name again? No. When you trust Christ as your Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it is reserved, and the Holy Spirit, we mentioned this morning, is given to you. That is the earnest, the earnest money. When you guarantee I'm going to buy this house and I give you $1,000 earnest money, that is, the Holy Spirit is the earnest that you belong to God. God gave you the gift of His Spirit. Ephesians tells us the earnest of the Spirit, that He gave us the Spirit as guaranteed that we, we are God's. And it is reserved in heaven. And think of this. This great, great gift, deliverance, not just from the penalty of sin, but ultimately deliverance from the presence of sin. I cannot wait until I no longer have to battle my old flesh anymore. I can't wait till there's no more battle that, that it is, is pure and undefiled praise to God and, and no more of the doubts and no more of my own heart going its own way, <clears throat> no more battle with the flesh. And Peter's saying, <clears throat> this, is, this is what we have. No matter what happens in this world, remember, this is what you have, and it can never be taken away from you. As you have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin and let me just say, if you are here tonight and you say, I, I don't know that I have that, tonight you need to make sure. Jesus said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he longs for us to come to him. And if you have any doubts whatsoever, you need to... Get alone with God. If you need someone to meet with you and pray with you and go over scriptures with you. But the bottom line is, every individual has a personal responsibility. No one else's faith can save anybody else. It is between us and God. And if you're here tonight and you have trusted God for the forgiveness of your sin, and you know the Spirit is at work in your life, rejoice celebrate. Maybe things aren't going the way you planned in this life. Praise God. We have the blessed hope of our salvation. It's a living hope. It's a guaranteed. And and even as you come tonight and you remember his body that was broken for you, also remember it was a body that rose again from the dead. I mean... You talk about the comeback of the year, of the century, of lifetime. That That is the comeback. I mean, they thought they had it, and up from the grave he arose. 
with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. That's what we're celebrating here tonight. And so it ought to be, it ought to be very humbling to us. God, my sin, as the song said, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Really? Just yes? I mean, this isn't, this isn't the Hawkeyes or Cyclones. This isn't the Vikings or Packers or Pinochle team playing. This is the greatest victory ever. We need to get back to realizing, wow, my sin forever nailed to the cross, and now it is well with my soul. This is the locker room, people. It's all right for Baptists to be happy. It's all right for us to say, I'm just not that type. Let me ask you, when you got a special bargain, you ladies, wow, look what I got, look what I got. You guys get the big buck. You don't say, yeah, got a nice buck today. Didn't take a picture of it because that's a big deal. We were made to be people that express praise, and God loves the praise of his people. So tonight, as you come, I, I urge you to, as you hold the bread, to think of the body. And I urge you just to go in prayer before God and say, God, thank you for this plan that you had to show your greatness and that you've allowed me to be a part of it? God, my sin, and every one of us have many, many, many things in our lives that we would never want showing up on the screen. And the reality is our sin, we can't even comprehend the greatness of our evil toward God. And the greatness of his sacrifice, and then the greatness of our future. I mean, think of this. It could be yet tonight Jesus comes and you're in his presence. Think of this, the reality of this. So I want in your heart tonight to be filled with praise and thanksgiving to God. As I bow in prayer, I'm going to ask the... Gentlemen that will be helping us serve communion tonight, if they just come down here and, and be seated.